James. And uh, excellent. Well, here we are, uh, Sunday night, and uh, this is the, the fifth time. You've had me working hard this couple of days, James. Uh, <laughs> so um, we're going to wrap up this whole weekend with a, with a thought from um, uh, one of the most impactful, I think, one of the most impactful moments of all of the New Testament. Um, have you ever ever wanted to improve yourself? I mean, you're like New Year's Eve. Um, you know, all these people sort of think, okay, well, next year I'm going to be better and I'm going to have a New Year's resolution, right? You've ever made one of those or you've ever thought to yourself, okay, I'm going to improve that part uh, of my life. And maybe you've here and you've bought a book because you want to get better. I don't know, maybe it's a recipe book because you want to, you know, cook healthier or, you know, it's a, 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 a Seven Habits of Highly Successful People type book because you want to be able to be a, uh, uh, you know, a, a more productive employee or um, maybe you've sought out a mentor because, you know, that you, you know, there are aspects of your life that needs to change. There are parts of your world that, that needs to grow. And so you've thought, well, that's a good way to get better. Or maybe you've just, I don't know, drunk a V, a massive hit to improve you a bit. I don't know. But uh, you all kind of, I think we all recognise from time to time that we need a slight improvement. If you've ever thought like that, if you've ever thought to yourself, I need to be a, you know, a better man, as someone once sung, or I need to be a better woman. I, I, I need to improve in this area of my life. You're in good company. Um, we're going to read the story about a guy who felt like that. And uh, who better to ask what to do to improve than, you know, Jesus. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you ever thought to yourself, I'd love to have a meal with somebody. Somebody who's advanced in the discipline that I have um, devoted my life to. Uh, you know, if you're a singer, you know, maybe you thought, man, imagine, imagine having a uh, you know, dinner with a, a, some profound great singer. Or, uh, you know, if you're a, uh, a, a, a public speaker like I am, you know, imagine having an opportunity to sit down with some of the great public speakers of the world and find out how to communicate and just, just glean from them. It would be, would be marvellous. And imagine having the opportunity to sit down with Jesus. And ask Jesus, you know, I want to be a better parent, right? I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better employee. Jesus, what, what do I need to do? Uh, what an amazing opportunity that would be. Well, this guy, he had that opportunity. Um, we read his story in, uh, in Matthew chapter 19, uh, where it says, Just then a man came to Jesus uh, and asked him, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal Life. Reasonable question, you think, right? Um, he wants to improve himself. He wants to be better, a, 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 better, a better man. Uh, he wants to make the line, you know, for eternal life. Uh, I just feel there's something missing. And, and you've got to give him credit for that because most people don't. Most people don't think there's anything missing, you know. Most people think, hey, I got it together. The rest of the world sucks, but I got it together, right? You know, all, all these people I work with, they're crazy, you know. My family, they're all mad, but I've got it together. And, uh, but this guy had enough self-awareness to come to Jesus and say, you know, Jesus, I feel like the mark's there and I'm just here. Well, you've got to give the guy credit for that, right? You've got to think, wow, that's, that's an impressive uh, position to be in. Uh, because this guy, you know, he had money. He had a lot of money. He had a lot of, he seemed to have a lot of status. 
Uh, he, he seemed to be a successful type of a person. And Jesus responds like this, right? Jesus says to him, why do you ask me about what is good? Uh, Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. So if I ask you tomorrow, say, how are you? You say, good. My response is, no, you're not. There's only one who's good, and it ain't you. <laughs> there's only one who is good. If you want to enter eternal life, keep the commandments. Okay, well, that's, that's a, a, a decent response. Keep the commandments. And so he wants to be specific because we don't want to leave these things as the chance, do we? We're talking about eternal life here. So, so he says, okay, well, well, which ones? Which ones do I have to, to keep? Well, you know, Moses had given 10. So immediately you think, well, the 10 would, would, would you know, th- they would all be there, surely. Now, the Pharisees, they had, I think it was 632 or something like that. Uh, and so maybe Jesus is going to give the 632. <laughs> uh, but this is what he says. Jesus replies, you shall not murder. What? I make the cut. Hands up if you make the cut. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. You know, probably, I don't know, I don't know if we're in the room, but probably, you know, 99% of us make the cut. If that's the, you know, if that's the line, the line for it is, you shall not murder, I'm there. Uh, I won't sort of ask you to respond to the next one. You shall not commit adultery. Well, I reckon that's a good percentage of us. You know, I don't know where it lies and I'm not here to judge. <laughs> Jesus is, it, it, what he's doing, there's this funnel, isn't there, right? You shall not commit murder. Well, that's probably everybody. You shall commit adultery. You know, just kind of looking at, at society, murder would be here, adultery would be here, right? There'd be a few more people that have committed adultery than have committed murder. You shall not steal. Hands up. No, 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 don't put your hands up. <laughs> you know, I'm not, you know, you probably haven't stolen a car, but maybe there was that chocolate bar. Or maybe there was that cookie, right, from your uncle's or from your auntie's, you know, kitchen. <laughs> And they weren't watching. You know, just, well, it's good, I have that. And you ate that. And so, I don't know, maybe you're still making the cut. Maybe you're here and you don't steal. You've never stolen anything. You've, you've never committed adultery. You've never murdered. You're still in the game. And, and sort of Jesus is squeezing it down a bit further. He says, don't give false testimony. So don't lie. Don't lie. <laughs> Jeez, nearly most of you have fallen off the cart, I think, about now. I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, honour your mother and your father, right? So if you honoured your mother and father and everything and then love your neighbour as yourself. So, so Jesus starts with this, this wide funnel and he brings it in, in and in. <laughs> Listen to this bloke. This bloke says, all these I've kept. I make it. This is a pretty impressive dude, isn't it, right? And this is the kind of... This is the kind of young fella that, you know, you want your daughter to meet, you know, your unmarried daughter, James, right? Uh, you think, well, hey, you know, I'd like him in my church, you know, and I'll have him home for dinner and I'll just introduce him just in case they hit it off. You never know. And this boy, he's got money, you know, he's got status, he's got class, uh, he's got character. I mean, he's the kind of guy I want in my church. He, he seems like a, a really good kind of bloke. Um, All these I've kept, he says, what do I still lack? And again, there's that that sense of, I've done all of that, Jesus, but is that all? 
is there something else? Is there, is there a, a, another step I need to take? Is there a, a, a further way I, I can go? And Jesus answered, well, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And, and when Jesus is saying this, right, because all the disciples are watching, there's tension building. There, there's a real sense of horror in the hearts of these, these 12 guys who are hanging with Jesus. Because they, they must have known who this, this young man was and his reputation and his capacity and his ability. And so they asked this kind of, Horrifying question. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. So there's huge concern in their hearts. Will we make it? Because no one wants to miss out on heaven, do they? No, no one wants to think, you know, I mean, you ask the average person, the average person believes kind of in heaven and hell and they reckon they're going to heaven because they're a good person and they've based that judgment on the fact that they're better than their, you know, their neighbours or better than their brother or better than the people they work with. Most of us think we're better than, you know, those who are around about us. So who can be saved, they ask. Who can be saved? If this guy doesn't make the cut, what hope have I got? That's what they're saying. If this guy's moral purity, you know, if his uprightness, if his righteousness isn't good enough, then for crying out loud, Jesus, who is good enough? He had sexual purity. He honoured his mother and father. No doubt he did his homework. He cleaned his room. He's a good guy. And yet there's something lacking. If you've ever wondered that, if you've ever thought that, there's something lacking. If you've ever thought, man, is there something wrong with me? Is there, is there some area of my life? Um, you're in good company because this guy, he got that. But, but his response led him uh, down a pathway that, that was away from God. Could you imagine what it would be like? Imagine, let's just say you're riding your bike and you're riding your bike to Brisbane, right? And, and you've got to the Sunshine Coast, man. I mean, you have, you have, you've done the hard yards and, and you're getting close to Brisbane. You can see the bright lights of Brisbane and, and, and you've been given this note to open. It was to give a new direction. You didn't really look at it to now because, you know, you know the way to Brisbane, right? You don't need to look at the address till you get close and then you'll get your phone out and find out exactly where you have to go. So as you're coming close to Brisbane, uh, you've been following the signs, you know the way you've driven there, you, you know, but this time you're riding your bike because it's, it's a setup, you know. This is what you had to do to, to get this thing. You ride your bike all the way to Brisbane. You get to Brisbane, you open up the, you open up the address and all of a sudden you find out you're supposed to be in Mackay. <laughs> in, in, in other words, you've come the wrong way. What, what do you do? Do you, do you get off the bike? Do you, throw it, do you pick it up and throw it into the bushes and, and say, well, blow the lot of them, forget it. I'm just going to go and get drunk. I mean, do you, you know, do you think that's it? I've had enough. When, when you've got this close only to realise you were headed towards the wrong destination. That's this man's experience. 
He was this close. He knew that it was just around the corner. And then Jesus revealed, but you're going the wrong way. It's the wrong destination. And it says he went away sad. That word sad literally means he went away internally tortured. He was internally tortured by the fact that his whole life had been heading in the direction and he'd almost achieved it. Kind of like so many people in life, you know, they're, they're, they're climbing the ladder of, of, of life and they almost get to the top run, you know. They almost get to the pinnacle and they're, they're, they're just about at the top of the ladder when they realise, I'm on the wrong ladder. <laughs> I spent my whole life climbing, my whole life working towards this goal, my whole life in this direction. And I prayed and I, and I hoped and I dreamed and I worked and I got almost to the top when I looked around and realised I'm in the wrong forest. I, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the wrong place. I, I want to give you four reasons why this man walked away sad. Each one is progressively more in-depth than the last, okay? So you might like to just have a, write, write these down, have a think about them because they're, they're pretty profound, each one, but, but each one is, is more significant than the last about why this man walked away sad. This is one of the, I said before, this is one of the most shocking stories in the Bible because most people who walked away from Jesus were filled with joy. But this guy, he walks away Sad. He comes to church, he hears the truth, and he walks away sad. A good man filled with internal torture because he heard the truth. Why was that? Number one, because he talked to the real Jesus. <laughs> he talked to the real Jesus. I got to say, folks, I've seen a lot of people walk away from faith over the years. And I've had the opportunity to speak to them. And I've never met one, to be honest with you, who's walked away from faith who understood the real Jesus. They understood a God of the New Testament. The God they concluded didn't exist, didn't exist. <laughs> because the God that they, I don't know, sort of thought they were taught, the God they hoped in, the God they believed in was not the God of the Bible. It was this, it was this boyfriend God, you know, this, this girlfriend God, this God who's sort of there for me all the time. It was this, it, it was this on-demand God, you know, this God, is, He's there for me, oh God, this on-demand God, this is how you pray, you get what you want from God and, 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 and they were taught all this stuff and, and then when life didn't work, when God didn't, you know, behave as God was supposed to behave, the conclusion was there wasn't a God. But the God that they thought they knew didn't exist in the first place. So their conclusion that they don't, you know, don't need this God thing was a legitimate conclusion. But this boy, he met the real Jesus and the message of the real Jesus will always shock you. It will always shock you. Did you know God, here's the fact, God demands more from you than you could ever imagine, but He gives you more than you've ever dreamt. God demands more from you than you have ever imagined, but He gives you more than you've ever dreamt. See, Christianity is anything but boring. Christianity is about taking everything that I have and laying it 
at the feet of Him. You know, society today is offered a Christianity, which is really a scaled down version. And it's actually not Christianity at all. This guy meets the real Jesus. And when you meet the real Jesus, there are two responses. (laughs) There's either total surrender or this man's response, which is total sense of offence. He was just offended at what Jesus had to say and he walked away. Number one, he met the real Jesus. Number two, Jesus smashed his religious view. Let me explain to you the religious view that often Christians have. Jesus smashed this idea that there was something missing in his world. That, 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 that uh, you know, if, if, he just, if he just visited this place, you know, if you just go and visit this place where the Spirit is moving, you go there, then you'll have your Christian experience fulfilled. If you could just go and do Bible college, you know, you just need to find out this truth. If you could just get that truth, then you'd be the, you'd be the Christian that, that God wants you to be. You know, if you could just, just serve in that area and if you could just do this, if you could just do that, if, if you could just get to there, then you would be the kind of Christian that would make God happy. And to be honest with you, you know, I grew up with this kind of, you know, scaling the wall of Christianity. Uh, and, and did I quite make the cut? That's religion. Religion is do you make the cut? Satan said to Eve in the Garden of Eden, did he not? You know, you see that tree there? If you eat of that tree, it's going to give you something that you lack because you lack and you need something. See, Satan appealed to Eve's sense of personal lack. And it's a very easy thing to do. Advertisers do it all the time. They appeal to your sense of personal, you know, you're missing something. You're missing something. See that person over there? They've got it and you don't. If you could get that, then you'd have it together. If you could achieve that, if you could somehow get, your, get, get that into your life, then, then you'd be okay. And, um, and Jesus turns this religious view on its head. This idea that says, what do I need to add? See, Jesus makes this outrageous request. He says, sell all you have and, and, uh, and give it to the poor. I'm not saying that's the standard. I'm not saying that's what you have to do. But Jesus is taking this man on, on a journey. Uh, Jesus uh, doesn't add to him. He, 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 Jesus reverts to the nuclear option and blows the whole thing up. Uh, but don't think that coming to Christ is like ringing, you know, Uh, a tradesman to come and fix your house. You know, I'm going to go to Jesus so he can fix my life. How many know Jesus doesn't fix your life? Jesus blows your life up and gives you a new one. (laughs) You know, people come to Jesus broken. Jesus, you know, man, our marriage, what do we need in our marriage, God, to make us happy? I'm not happy with him. I'm not happy with her. If my wife came to me and said, you know, John, what what do I need to do to be a better wife? I'd say, well, let me tell you, you're going to stop this and you can start that. If I had one of my daughters come to me and say, you know, uh, Dad, what do I need to do to be a, 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 better, a better child, a, a better daughter for you? I could say, well, well you could need to do this and, and you could need to do that. And, and I'm sure if I have employees, you know, if my employees come to me and said, what do I need to do to be better at my job? I could give them a list. <laughs> and we take that list mentality and it's kind of like we bring it into our Christian experience. 
If I could just download that program, that would fix my computer. If I could just get that, that, that uh, idea into my life, I, I, I'd be a new person, you know. It never ceases to amaze me how you watch, you know, television and you watch, you know, the advertisements for the, for, for the you know, the, the um, people who make your skinnier and that sort of stuff, you know. <laughs> and they have the people on there <laughs> and they say, you know, I was fatter and now I'm skinnier and now I'm a new person and all my troubles have gone away. You think, how crazy. Do people actually believe this? <laughs> You know, or, or, you know, if I, had, I didn't have money, now I have money. Now all my troubles have gone away. And, and we kind of believe that at some level that's appealing to us. That if I could just achieve something, if I could just get there, then my troubles would go away. See, this is the religious sense of who you are. This is the religious sense of who I am. And what Jesus does here, this, this, is, this is profound. What Jesus is saying to this man is this. There is no such thing as a horizontal line. There's a vertical line. Okay? Let me explain this. It's not a horizontal line. It's a vertical line. The horizontal line says, do I make it? You know, can I get above? Do I quite, you know, make the grade? It's a horizontal line. And we judge people based on the horizontal. You know, they're, 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 how bad are they? Well, they're really bad, but these people aren't so bad. They're kind of good. These people are, are really, really good. And we've got this horizontal line. And as Jesus is, is smashing the religious view of the horizontal line that says, you're almost there. Keep going and you'll make it. And what he does, he replaces it with a vertical line, right? The vertical line. It's not how good you are. It's Whose love are you under? See? Jesus said, there's a vertical line. You're under my love, and that's what matters. It's not a horizontal line. It's not what you have to do or you can't do or what you can do or what you must do. It's whose love you are under. He smashes the horizontal and replaces it with the vertical. The third thing he does, and he gets real personal, he doesn't stay academic. Uh, he doesn't sort of say, well, you know, you're missing this doctrine. Uh, you know, this is not some academic discussion about, you know, heaven and hell and, and, and how, uh, how if I could do this and, and, and do that. Um, Jesus looks at him. In fact, Mark says that Jesus looked into him and loved him. What does that mean? It means he looked into his soul and Jesus wanted the best for him. And uh, our difficulties are never really our difficulties. Um, what is Jesus asking of this man? What is Jesus really asking of him? He's not really asking all of his money. He's not really asking all of his uh, assets, all of his houses. When Abraham had a son and God said, give me that son, you know, sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. Many of you be familiar with that story. What was God actually asking Abraham to do? It wasn't sacrifice his son. Your problem is not your behaviour. No one's problem is their behaviour. What Jesus was actually asking this person to do is the actual issue for everybody in this room. He was asking him to give up his dreams. What God asked Abraham to do in, in the sacrificing of his son was not to give up his son. He was asking to give up his dreams. Because his future was tied up in his son. His future dreams were tied up in his son. Your issue is never your behaviour. 
The issue is never what you do. The issue is what you dream about. The issue is what you long for. You see, I, I, wonder what, I wonder what would, you know, give you happiness outside of God. If there was no such thing as God, what, what would you need? $10 million? Would that, give you, would that make you happy? $20 million. Jeez, you're a tough crowd. Okay, $100 million. They, they live in Gladstone, you know. <laughs> in Ipswich, it's a million dollars. And they go, oh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> um, you know, what, what amount of money would, would make you happy? What amount of, you know, sex would make you happy? Sex with a supermodel. Well, that'd, that'd be fantastic, you know. I'd love that. Uh, what, what, what would make you happy? What, what could this world give you outside of God an unlimited credit card? It's not about sex and it's not about money. It's not even about power. You might think, well, if I had power, if I had status, you know, social currency, if I had a certain look, you know, if I looked like a particular famous or, or, or you know, renowned beauty, then I'd be happy, you know. If I could get rid of some wrinkles, you know, if I get rid of some extra power, then I'd be happy. What is it do you think holds your happiness outside of God. I can assure you that's the problem because that thing will kill you. That's what will kill you in the end. See, this guy's future dreams were wound up in his finances. And in the end, it was his finances that killed him. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with possessions. The issue is your dreams. Where do your dreams lie? If your dreams lie in having a child, then your children will kill you. <laughs> if your dreams lie in finding a wife, then your wife will kill you. <laughs> <If you're laughs> and some of the men said, nothing, because, because they weren't game. Uh, <laughs> if your dreams lie in finding a husband, your husband will kill you. Whatever your dream is, whatever you pursue, that's the thing that's going to kill you. And that's the thing God's saying to this bloke. He's saying, the very thing that you're dreaming about, that's the thing that is your, that's, that's what you're, that's the, that's the issue here. It's not what you haven't done or it's not what you have to do. It's the dream in your heart. If you think power, if you think a person is the panacea of your heart, then that person or that power or that possession will kill you. And Jesus is, who, who, as I said, Mark looks into his soul and loves him. Mark wants the best for him. And, and Jesus comes here tonight, he wants the best for you. He looks into your heart, he loves you. He's not trying to take away from this young man. He actually wants to add to this young man. Surrender it. It will make you happy or it will enslave you and make you sad. See, this world offers us so much. This society that we live in offers us so much. And so often we get this thing in our spirit, in our heart. If I get there, man, if I could just get another house, you know, if I could just get to that, my superannuation at that level, then I'd be satisfied. Then I, then I could be, you know, I could retire in comfort. If I could just find, you know, that house, or if I could just find, uh, you know, a man like that or a woman like that, if I, if I could just get that, if I could just get that car, if I could just get that, if that's in your heart, that's what's going to kill you. And that's the thing Jesus pointed out to him and, the last thing, as I said, each one gets more difficult than the last. So <laughs> I guess you can't wait for the last one. 
He didn't understand treasure in heaven. Jesus says, lay up treasure in heaven. Um, you know, if you had the greatest estate this world could offer, if you were, you know, in, in um, Business Review Weekly's top 40 richest people in this nation or whatever, that's nothing compared to the loving forgiveness that's ours in Christ Jesus. The very fact that your sin is forgiven makes you the richest person in your street. The very fact that your eternity is secure in heaven. I don't know whether you heard um, old blue eyes uh, Frank Sinatra phoned the Pope once. You might have heard this story uh, in his latter years and said to the Pope, I'll give you half of my fortune if you can assure me eternal life. If, you know, I don't know, in his thinking, he thought the Pope would have that you know, power and that he would be able to buy that from the Pope. Now, we listen to this and we think that's, that's crazy, that, that's, that's madness, but that's where he was at. He thought, if I could just get eternal life, and even a man worth you know, millions upon millions, tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars maybe, I don't know, uh, was prepared to, to, to lose half of it if he could get eternal life. And yet you've got it tonight free of charge. Have any idea? How wealthy that makes you? Any idea how, how significant therefore you are? Um, in fact, Isaiah writes, says, Can a mother forget a baby at a breast or have no compassion on the child she bore? Uh, Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I've engraved you on the palm of my hands. Uh, your walls, your name is forever before me. So every time God opens his hand, he sees your name. <laughs> You are, you are his treasure. And if you understand that, if that seeps past the grey matter into your heart, into your spirit, that you are God's treasure, then maybe, just maybe, God could become our treasure. And you recognise that you don't get your, you know, your identity from your bank account or from your social status or from the power that, that you might find you have in this life. You get your identity from the fact that you are a child of God. And your treasure lies in the fact that, that, that your Father is the Creator of heaven and earth. And He sent His only Son to, to, re, to restore you back to the family of God. When you understand that, you become obscenely wealthy in the context of this world. And that is you tonight. That is me tonight. Think about what Jesus offered this young man. He said, Come and follow me. You know, he didn't say that to a lot of people. Um, only about 12, actually, that he actually went to and looked in the eyes and said, come and follow me. Maybe it was 13, because the other one was this guy. You know, he went to, um, went to James and John, you know, on the shores of Galilee, and he said, leave your stuff and come and follow me. And they did. <laughs> they had a fishing business. They left it. They didn't even sell it and give it to the poor. I mean, they just left it. They never went back. And they followed after him. You know, Elijah came to Elisha and said, you know, come on. He took his, his, his bullocks and his, his plows and all of his farm equipment. And he burnt it and he followed Elijah. So what Jesus is asking this guy to do is nothing, you know, that particularly bizarre. It's not like he hadn't asked others to do this before. And here's the fact. I mentioned James and John and most of you knew who that was. Who's this bloke? You don't even know. You don't know his name. You know, James and John became very, very common names, didn't they, Pastor? Uh, 
our parents called us James and John. <laughs> uh, these names became synonymous uh, with, 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 with mankind. I mean, you know, the, the, the names of the disciples, Peter, uh, you know, these are, these are the names we called our children. Uh, the, the, these guys became, you know, famous. You, you can go um, and see, you know, the, the um, uh, edifices named uh, after, you know, St. John's and St. James's and St. Peter's Basilica. I've been in Rome, you know, uh, and there's this huge thing, you know, St. Pil- uh, Peter's Basilica. Uh, and yet this bloke, I mean, he might have, you know, this bloke, he had a few fields back in ancient Palestine. <laughs> Think about it. You know, Peter, who, who left all and followed Jesus, you go to downtown Rome and there's, you know, St. Peter's Basilica. You think, wow, whatever Peter gave up ain't nothing in comparison to what he's got now. <laughs> 2,000 years later, his name is all over the world. James and John, their names are all over the world. This guy, he's just a lesson in how not to do it. It doesn't matter what Jesus asks of you. He actually never takes more than he returns. This guy, he, he, his, his neighbours and his friends and people who hung around him, you know, after he was gone, he was forgotten about. We've got this story here. We don't know who he is. He just becomes a testimony, a a pattern in how not to do it. So I want to invite you to come come to Jesus because he'll grieve you, but he loves you. And we all have that sense of grief. But what will stop you? What would you give up? I'm not asking you because, you, you know, it's, it's, it's between you and God. And if you, you're not at a position now when you, when you won't give it up, it's probably because you need a little bit more pain in your life. Don't worry, you'll get the pain. <laughs> and then maybe you'll give it up. But uh, you need to know that you are the treasure of heaven. And what God is calling you to do is lay up treasure in the place where you are treasured the most. We bow our heads, we're going to pray. Amen. Father, Lord, I thank you tonight that we have this incredible um, example here of what not to do. Lord, that you, you come into our lives and you get real, real personal. <laughs> Lord, that you break down the religiosity of of, of man and that you call out of us the very things that if you didn't, would destroy us. So immense is your love for us and so personal is your understanding of us. So God, I I, I pray for everybody in this room tonight. Lord, I I don't know um, what you're asking of of uh, each one. I don't know what you put your finger on. I don't know, as I was speaking tonight and people were just you know, thinking and listening, I, I don't know where their minds were going. But I know, Lord, that you know. And I know that they know that you know. <laughs> and so, God, I, I pray tonight 
that they would understand how incredibly valuable they are to you. And we'll be able to let go of what's become valuable to them outside of you. That they might inherit true riches in this life. We thank you, Lord, that you called us to do incredible, significant things. And yet, Lord, so many times we settle for second best. But Father, tonight we rise above it and we, we reach out to you and receive your grace in this matter. And I want the musicians to join us on the platform. If they would, that would be great. And uh, maybe we're just in a moment of reflection. Maybe just allow you know, God to speak to you in, in your circumstance, in your situation, in your environment. With what your challenges are, with what your experience is. And you need to know that God comes right into your circumstances. And the way God came right to this man's circumstances. Turned them on. He turned this guy on his head. This guy came seeking something that seemed pretty legitimate. Jesus let him know he was going down the wrong track. He was on this religious uh, treadmill. And it's so easy to get on this religious treadmill of thinking that, yeah, one more thing's what I need. One more thing's what I need. Instead of recognizing, no, no, no. You, are, you have everything you need in Christ. You haven't got to go here. You haven't got to go there. You haven't got to uh, try to, 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 to achieve that. You are complete in Jesus. And because of that completeness, what grips you in your heart, you can let go of so that God can flow in with more. Why don't we stand together? Amen. We're going to just sing this beautiful song. and If God's speaking to you tonight and you know that you're holding stuff back and God's saying, hey, you've got to let that go. I'm not going to necessarily ask you to come for prayer, but I'm going to ask you just to, to, to lift your hands tonight as we sing this song. It's just a sign of, okay, God, here you go. It's yours as a sign of surrender as we worship. Thanks. tonight.